0: If you missed it, we did have something happen in the news this week. Yep, unless you're under a rock. You know what I'm talking about, right? We had an election. We all know that God is a Republican. I'm kidding. We all know that God is a Democrat. No, we all know that God is a socialist. No, we can go on and on and on, and we can name every political party. You know, the politics that happen in the land... I don't think any political party, and I don't know this for sure, but I don't think anybody went back and said, God, what should we name our party? Right? Politics in the land, have a they certainly have a role, and they certainly have a value, and they certainly have a place, and we're grateful for them. But I'd like to look, and I'd like to, this morning, kind of take a pause on our political situation here in America. And I'd like to look back at scriptures and see some other politics that had occurred, and some ideas about those politics, I know there's a very good chance that not everybody in this room is from the same political party. I'm betting that if we had our own election, if we voted just here, we would have some vote Democrat, some vote Republican, and some vote third party. Would you agree with me? Is there anybody that would disagree and say, no, Jim, I think everybody in the room is the same political party? I don't think there's any doubt we are different political parties and I think that's and I hope that you agree that's a beauty of being an American we don't have to be the same political party we don't have a king or a queen and just follow like animatrons based on what they do we vote and we have the luxury of voting every four years sometimes we have what has happened in this election and we have chaos be leading up to the election the two major parties did a wonderful job saying bad things about each other. They were very successful. I've seen the ads. Does anybody disagree with me on that? So this has been a crazy journey, and now, of course, there's protests, and people are upset and crying, and I've heard some amazing things. I heard one lady said she was in a protest. She was mad at who her president-elect was. And, uh, and the reporter said, this was on the radio, so it's all audio, and the reporter said, well, who did you vote for? And the lady said, well, I didn't vote. Yeah. But it feeds to the chaos in America. It really does. Republican, Democrat, third party, it doesn't matter. America has gone through a real season of chaos. And I think right now, there are some believers saying, Yahoo, and there are some believers saying, God, where are you? Why did you abandon us? We know this is not a first for America. This has happened many times. The Civil War, for example. In the North, they believed one thing on slavery. In the South, they believed another thing on slavery. You know, it's funny. This, the Lord laid this message in my heart. And yesterday, my dad used this exact same example at Beth Messiah. And I thought, hey, you're taking my notes. <laughs> but it's true. America, in the six 1860s, was in a horrible way. So there are times in America where we have these elections where not everybody is on the same page. This morning, I'm not gonna say which candidate is right, which candidate is wrong, and I'm also not gonna tell you who I voted for. I haven't told anybody, nobody. There's a lot of assumptions. I've talked to some Democrats and they said, oh, yeah, well, you know, those Republicans, they think I voted with them. And I've talked to some Republicans and they said, oh, you know, those Democrats, they think I voted with them. I'm not telling you who I voted with. So please don't make any assumptions. And no, I did not vote for you, Alex Bartoshevitz. What I want to look at this morning is some politics in the scriptures, politics of a different time, and I want to look at the scriptural stance today. Okay? So let's leave the topics off the table. Again, I'm convinced some of you are celebrating and some of you are crying, wondering where God is in the land. So let's leave that out, and let's look at what the Bible says in politi- some political examples. So first, I'm just going to revisit. A couple weeks ago, I had the chance to speak on gratitude. And we looked at one uh, minor prophet in the Bible, Habakkuk, and he had, uh, in, his, in his book, Habakkuk, which is only three chapters, he starts off by talking about how bad the land is, how messed up it is. Go ahead, Alex. Let's fire it up. Habakkuk 1, verse 1 through 4. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear, or cry to you, violence, and you will not save. God, bad things are happening. People are being hurt. Where are you? Why do you make me see inequity? And why do you uh, idly look at wrong? You see this stuff is happening, God. Where are you? He says it again. Destruction and violence are before me, and strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. It's a perverted system. So the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. This very much could be parts of what's going on in America today, don't you think? I mean, I think both parties would agree with this. I think a third party would agree. America is a mess. Habakkuk, I think, got it, don't you? He got it. Let's Let's read another one. Go ahead, Alex. So this is an interesting guy, a psalm of Asaph. So Asaph, you can read this on your own, but I'd like to explain who Asaph is here. He was a chief songwriter for David. Most theologians believe that Asaph was the guy who wrote most of the melodies for the book of Psalm, for the different songs in the book of Psalm. He would have written it. He was songwriter extraordinaire. He wrote more sections of the Bible, segments of the Bible, than at least a half a dozen of the prophets did, including Habakkuk. He wrote about a dozen chapters. He's way ahead in writing things in the scripture than a number of these other guys and gals were. So Psalm thirty-seven or 73, verses 1 through 5. Oh, and by the way, he, lit, wor- he worked with David as a Levite, he worked with Solomon as a Levite, and he worked with the next king, Rehoboam, as a Levite. So this was a man really, really in touch, not with one government, with three governments, And uh, his perspective in Psalm 73 is is interesting. Truly, God is good to Israel, to such as are pure of heart. I just want to stop there. Who's he good to? The pure of heart in Israel. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful. Now, we don't know this for sure. But what most theologians believe, and what I tend to agree with, so I'm going to tell you there's a, this is based on an educated opinion, is this was written around the time of Solomon, when the land is in a, in a land of plenty, when the kingdom is doing very well financially. The money is flowing. Businesses are thriving. Solomon's living large, very large. And, and this man says, I almost messed up with God. I almost stumbled with God because I started to get jealous. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. See, he he thinks that they've got so much good going for them. They're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. You see, if you have money, you don't have problems. That's what he's saying. And it almost caused me To stumble with God. This was a time when Israel, or even with David, was thriving. So, even when the times are good, you got the times of Habakkuk, where it's bad, and you got the times where it's good, and there's all kinds of problems with that. You see the two worlds? There's another one. Before we read it, I want to set the stage a little bit. It's the time of Jesus. I, I mean, I know that uh, this is well known, but when he walked the earth, his nation was in absolute disarray. They were uh, they were uh, uh, run by Rome. Rome owned that land or had taken that land, and Rome demanded their own tax. And then, of course. The Jews in the land, for that provincial, for the provincial or the regional government of Israel, which wasn't really its own government, they demanded a tax. So now you've got two taxes for two countries. Imagine that. If America was controlled by a foreign power, we would pay a tax of them and our own American taxes. So they had two taxes. But then you throw in the fact that at the time of Jesus, they had the money changer issue. and The money changer issue was very substantial because in order to get in the temple to do what you needed to do, Religiously, what the scriptures had called for, you had to pay a half shekel tax. And that was very small. Half shekel is very small. And it had to be of a certain currency. Now, here's the catch a half shekel. Imagine a half shekel as being a quarter. I don't know what it's worth today, but it's very small. Imagine a quarter. But since it had to be a specific currency, you couldn't just use any old currency. And in Israel at the time, there were all kinds of currencies. There was a Roman currency, there was regional currencies, there were all kinds. So you would take your currency to a money changer and say, please convert this to this special shekel, half shekel, so I can go into the temple. And the money changer would say, sure, I'll get you you a quarter, but it's going to cost you $4,000. That's what the money changers did. So you've got the Roman tax, you've got the tax in the land, And now you've got the money changers, so you can't even worship the way you want to worship. That's a financial impact. Then there's the the regional impact. In Deuteronomy, it says to the Israelites, you cannot have a foreigner rule the land. In other words, you've got to be Jewish if you're going to run the land. Well, there were a group, the Zealots, in, in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus, and they believed that following the Roman emperor was a sin. They didn't study the whole context out, but they believed it was a sin. They were convinced that if you followed the Roman emperor, you were doing bad. So they took it upon themselves to complete terrorist acts against a Roman army. How do you think that made Rome feel toward Jerusalem? Not all that great, right? So Rome would go and crush them, and then there would be an uprising and another crush, and it was all small kind of stuff, but this was going on at the time of Jesus, On top of it, you throw in the Pharisees the Sadducees, and there were other groups, small groups, but those two big groups wanted the religious control in the land. Now we have Jesus, who most people think is going to free them from all of that oppression. Everything is going to be good times in Israel again because the Messiah is here. That's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Now we know there's truth to that but they had the sequencing all wrong. So they were convinced that Jesus was going to be the one. Jesus goes through, he lives his life, he does his ministry, he shares the good news, and he's crucified. For three days, of course, we know he was in the the grave. And what do you think those people who thought he was that kind of Savior, how would they feel? Not all that great or confused or uncertain. Would you agree? So, he rises from the dead, he shows himself to a couple people, and the disciples are gathered in one place behind locked doors, and he appears to them, and he said, Hey everybody, it's my hands and feet, see I got the holes, I I did what I said I was going to do. And then he goes on to tell them something else. Alright Alex. Luke 24. And he said to them, so it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead in the third day, that repentance for the removal of sins be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. To all nations. He still said nothing about all of the problems in Israel. He said nothing about that. But instead, I had to do this for all nations. He's operating on a much higher platform. He's not dealing with all the problems in the land. Those were big problems to the the people there. But God has a much bigger plan. Jesus was operating at a much larger scale. Go ahead, Alex. This is us as believers. But you are a chosen race. You are a chosen race. You know what? I'm going to say it. I'm an elitist. I hope that you are an elitist too in terms of being in a chosen race. I'm not talking about being white, black, or anything in the middle of all that. I'm talking about I am part of a chosen race. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is at a higher level. This is not an American thing. This is a higher level. A people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, you're just walking around, doing whatever you do in the world. But now you're a people. You're God's people. <coughs> Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is not for everybody. This is for people who have called on the Lord. You said, Lord, be Lord of my life. I will be in your kingdom. Your kingdom, I put above our natural kingdom. Okay. If my dad was here right now, he's in Mexico. Please pray for him and the safe water, <laughs> the affliction of uh, the water there. I would look at him now and I would say, "I'm going to turn the boat." That's one of his expressions. But I do want to. Uh, I want to pause for a minute. We've just gone through all of this. I don't think there's any doubt, all through biblical history, people have gone through national challenges like we've gone through in America. And frankly, I think they've been much worse than what we're experiencing right now in America. We can say, well, the sin, there's there's a sin, there's there's a lifestyle sin that's now that wasn't then. Actually, that's not true. If we look at the time of Jesus, homosexuality was a major problem. Do you know what else is a major problem? How women were treated, a major problem. Jesus himself spent a big part of his ministry addressing those two things. A big part of it. And if we would, if you would stop and read it for that in, in his teachings, it's quite significant and quite powerful. He lifted both. He said the homosexuality, sin. And women, do not treat them like that. That is wrong. They need to be treated rightly. And he gave some very specific standards. And you know, that's a lot like what's going on in America today. A lot of people are saying, in America today, they're saying, well, this class is being treated differently, or this class is being treated differently. So we know that what they were going through back then, I believe, in a lot of ways, frankly, was much worse than we have now. Their taxes were certainly much higher than what we have now. Jesus spent his time in the earth not even hitting that stuff, really. He talked about his kingdom, the kingdom that he's calling us to, the ministry, and, and fixing some of these other things so we can be set in a right way. That's really what he did. So this brings us to us here in America. We have a very unique land. Our Constitution, and we know this, was really the first one in the world to be like this. Other countries have imitated this, and mimicked this, and they've tried to bring this to their land. France, for example, and uh, relatively recent, after the American Revolution, they, tr- they took it over. In other parts of the world, it's been shared, the idea of a constitution, the idea of voting for government. So we know America's been at the forefront of that. We have very many men and women who have died for our country over, again, several hundred years now, whether it's a war or just in trying to do what they thought was a good thing. We have the right in America to voice protest, we do. We can voice protest. We can say, we can, we can join a petition now and we can say all chairs in the city of Milwaukee should be blue. And we can have a peaceful protest and we can march around Milwaukee and we can share that message with the people. We can share the message that we used to share in the 60s and 70s when we would have Jesus marches. You don't see them as much anymore. But you would see uh, Christians that would band together and have a peaceful march just talking about the Lord. Not from churches, not a church agenda, not a church march, a Jesus march. They'd carry signs and flyers, and they would just look for people on the street to tell about the Lord. We can do that in America. This message I can preach in America. America has some wonderful opportunities that cannot be taken lightly. But the Bible does say, We have specific things that God wants us to do, regardless of the country that we're in. Regardless of it's America, regardless if it's Canada, Mexico, Guatemala, Nigeria, Kenya. We can go on and on. The Bible gives us some specific things. Because we are a holy nation, which is greater than the country we're in. It is greater. So, here they are. Romans 13, 1-7. Obey authority because God put it there. Now, I just want to stop for a minute and say this was to a group of Roman Jews who were being expelled from Rome because they were Jews. Now that, in, in modern day language, we would call racism. They were being oppressed simply because they were Jews. And what did Paul say? Obey the authority because God put it there. And we think, well, how can that be? How can you, God, have that person run that country or that thing or that function? How can that be? Habakkuk, when Habakkuk complained, God said, don't worry about Habakkuk. I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans, a whole other country, to come in and squish you to squish Israel, to teach you a lesson. When Jeremiah prayed it, in the book of Jeremiah, he said, don't worry about it, Jeremiah. I'm going to have the Babylonians come in, or, or Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar come in. We're going to change his name, but I'm going to have that guy come in. We'll call him Bob. We're going to have him come in the country and squish and, and deal with some of the things that are going on here. So we know historically that God has brought in other countries even, let alone one person. What about when Jesus was born? The guy who was in charge of it, Herod, King Herod of that area in Israel, he he tried to kill all the first boys in a certain age, all the infant boys. How can that guy be used by God? We know the Antichrist is going to rise to power. So it's happened in the past and it will happen in the future. God will use different people. I almost feel bad for the Antichrist. He's being raised up by God to be obliterated. <laughs> think about that. I am not being raised up to be obliterated. At least I don't think I am. <laughs> <laughs> Obey the authority because God put it over there, or put him over you. That is that is bad. Blunt as it can be, Exodus twenty 28, don't curse the ruler of your people. We as Americans have the right, again, to protest. We can say, I, I, I want to protest this, this senator or this congressman or this whoever this is. We can do that. When we read this word, don't curse the ruler of your people, we are, it, it, it doesn't say we can't protest. We can't disagree. We can do this. Actually, the word curse means curse. What I can't do, what we can't do, is to say, well, I'm going to tell you what I think about Barack Obama. Well, I'm going to tell you what I think about Donald Trump. And go off and really say horrible things about him. We can't do it. Yes, but I'm a Christian. Well, that's good for you, but we can't do it. I've heard believers say, well, I'm a Christian, and they're not, they're not God's person, so I'm going to say it the way it is. Well, I just can't help but get stuck here in Exodus 22. <laughs> right. Titus 3. Verse 1 to 2. Remember to be submissive to authority. I just like this word because it says remember. Remember. Don't forget. Remember be submissive to authority. 1 Peter 2, 13 to 14. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake unto every authority. For the Lord's sake. You know, we carry the name of the Lord with us. We represent the Lord. And if we are so wrapped up in being rebellious against authority... We miss, people miss the testimony of what God's done in our life. We're divisive. We only talk about politics. Ah, You know what? Our first job is just like Jesus' first job. To share what the Lord is, who he is, and that he is life-changing. Amen? That is our first job. I like it. We know this in John. It says, Disciples we be known by their love. Disciples, loving disciples, and the example for the world. And finally, 1 Peter 2, verse 17, honor the king. Honor the king. This was said at a time, again, uh, after Jesus passed, but the king in that area and the emperor in Rome, they were not kind to the Jewish people. And if they can be kind and honor the king there, even though he was not kind, neither one of those authorities was kind to the people, that's a big deal. It's not fair. You know, it really doesn't matter. We're living in another kingdom. We're in the world. We're not of the world. We have another kingdom. Now, don't get me wrong. I would love to have a president that agrees with everything that I think and that does everything I tell them they should do. I would love that. Would you love that? Oh, yeah. Nobody would work. Free health care. No, no tuition. No need for an army because we would be so nice. <laughs> we would just go hug everybody all the time. I'm kidding, it wouldn't be this stuff. But you understand my point here honor the king. There are some things we know scripturally that we don't have to do. If the law, if the Congress would pass a law that would say it's illegal to preach the word of God, I will break the law. I hope that you do too. And again, thanks to you veterans because I can say that statement. And thank you for our Constitution, Lord, because I can make that statement from the pulpit and not get arrested. But I will tell you, I will break the law if they say I can't share the word of the Lord. I will break the law like Daniel did if I can't pray. I will break the law. And there are things in the Bible I know to be true. We are supposed to bless Israel. There's other things. I can, we can go down the things that we know are to be true. We're not supposed to murder somebody. We're not supposed to lie. We can, again, we can create the list. But for our government... God, put them where they are. We thank God for them because that's where our land comes. We honor them. We don't just tolerate them. We honor them. And we are blessed that we have who we have because God works all things for good to those who believe. In our hearts, he's working as we believe in the Lord. He is doing things and he's drawing us toward an ultimate end state. I don't know what he's doing in America. I I have no idea. But I sure am excited to see it. I really am. Are you? I, I think we all agree. agree. We, wish we, we wish there were no problems. No problems at all. But there are. We pray for our leaders. You say better you than me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know why some of them would want to be president, by the way. That's a hard job. Have you ever seen photos of the president and how they age from when they start office and when they end office? I mean, our current president, he looks like he's been in office for 25 years, that poor guy. He started one way and he ended one way. like, man, Bill Clinton, when he took office, he looked like a young man. When he left office, he didn't look as young. (laughs) So I think it's a very difficult job. We don't have to agree with them all, locally, nationally, whatever but we respect them, we honor them, and next time another election comes along, we vote again, don't we? Because that is the Constitution that God gave us. All right, please stand up. Lord God, we thank you very much for this land. We thank you very much for the government that you have put in, for the Constitution that you put in, for the government to, to work from. Lord, we don't know that plan that you have for this nation. We know it is to draw to you. We know it's that you would be Glorified, we know that's your plan for all mankind. We know that we're part of your kingdom, your nation, Lord. So teach us always in new and fresh ways and how to be good citizens for you, whether it's here in this land or just in some other way. Teach us how to listen for you, how to walk with you. Teach us how to pray for each other, how to love rightly, how to not tolerate when tolerance should not be held. We pray for these leaders, God. I don't envy their positions where they've got a lot of problems and challenges, but we pray for them, Lord, first and foremost and only that they find you. They're drawn to you. Lord God, we thank you for everybody here. Bless them, God, as we look to serve you, please. In Jesus' name.